we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Oh, are we, are we, oh, shit, <laughs> we're starting. Some of you need to record a goddamn podcast, but that's none of my business. I know, business. but that's none of my business, though. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 81 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Luke Matthews, and I am joined today by Joel Simon. Hey! Andy Padel. So, And Eddie Isaac in his penultimate episode. Yeah, Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, his penultimate normal episode, I should say. Regular, yeah. like, ongoing episode. That doesn't mean you won't be back you know, via Skype or whatever when we can get you uh, from Germany. But uh, this is know, man. Maybe it'll be like, you know, the return of Bruce Wayne. I'll have to go through, like, time and space pretty much just yeah. to get back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving, own, Batman. Yeah, my own little infinite crisis. <laughs> so for this show, we are talking about uh, the first six issues of Deadly Class, the first trade. It's a Rick Remender, Wes Craig image comic book uh, about a... Um, a school for for assassins in 1987, and uh, we will discuss that later. But uh, you know, I want to start the show like we've start, why, like we have failed to do in many I- episodes and talk about shit that we're reading right now. <laughs> How about that? I've got a couple of comic books that I want to talk about Please for a go. minute. I picked, um, I picked up one or two books as well. Yeah. So i i am in a I am in a moment right now where I'm reading. I have read the first several issues of several comic books that people have exclaimed about being awesome and have been disappointed in every single one of them. Wow. Um, Why you got to hate on black science? I know. No, it's not black science. <laughs> I fucking love black science. Um, I'm pretty good at black science. So the, the the first one I will talk about is Birthright, and it's I'll be real quick on this. Birthright's a uh, Joshua, Joshua Williamson comic book. He's the same guy that wrote Ghosted, and it is about a... A kid who vanishes in the woods uh, when he's playing catch with his dad and then um, reappears a year later as a full-grown adult who has been in a who has been trapped in a fantasy universe where he has become a like a warrior oh so like lion witch and wardrobe almost. a little bit yeah um, with a kind of a twist I did not like it at all everyone else is exclaiming about how awesome it is and I should like it because it's a fantasy book but mm-hmm. it's just not like I, I hate to like rag on writers too much, but I haven't liked a single thing that Williamson has written. Uh, Ghosted wasn't that great. Um, a lot of people like his stuff, and it's they're just not for me. There's there's just too much, he too much exposition, too much you know of people talking heads like explaining the storyline to mm. you instead of like just doing things in the book. Um, yeah. Don't like it. Um, the second one was Low, which is another Rick Remender book. It's Rick Remender and. Um, um, fuck, what's his name? The guy that draws, uh, that drew Last Days of American Crime. Ticini. Ticini. Greg Ticini. Thank you. Um, it's a sci-fi book in a kind of a strange sci-fi world. And 
the, I have the same problem I have with this book that I had with Last Days of American Crime is that Greg Tacchini's art is just like indistinct blobs of color. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, like, so I know where you're going with that, but like, I feel like it's kind of like one of those 3D image puzzles where if you look at it long <laughs> enough, something brilliant comes out. It's a magic. It's an entire comic book of magic it's, eyes. It's, it's, the, it's like it's the damnedest thing because like that's how I felt at first about Last Days of American Crime, and I found myself staring at this one page, and I'm like, "Fuck, this is really good." I mean, just. And then I went to another page, and I'm like, well, if I cross my eyes a little bit, I mean, it's like, Jesus Christ, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, Andy was drunk at the time. So yeah. <laughs> when am I not? I don't know. It's, it's like, Ticini has... Indeed. I don't know. There's something about his style. I, I feel the same way about Riley Rosmo, who's the guy that drew Green Wake um, and um, Debris, where... Like his art in Green Wake is is there's it's really sketchy and there's a lot of like blurriness to it and it just kind of I just don't like it. Mm. And then when he drew Debris, he cleaned his art up a lot specifically for that book. And I like his style a lot, especially in Debris. It was really fantastic for that storyline. But Greg Tacchini, it's just like there's literally entire swaths of low that I can't even tell what's going on, which yeah. is a shame because the world that he's building in it is really cool. Um, I'm not a I'm not a fan of the writing as much either, which is strange because like, well, I, I shouldn't say it's strange because I'm actually finding myself split on Remender lately. Like, you think some he's of working on too much? I mean, he's doing Black Science, he's got Low, he's got Captain America, he's got <sighs> Deadly Class. Because it seems like some writers and some artists they can get overwhelmed when they're yeah. engaged in too many projects and start to phone it in. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe I I don't know. I well, think I know stuff takes breaks because he took a break from Deadly Class. Yeah. Uh, did Black Science take a break? I knew Captain, Captain America took a took a break. I don't think the, I don't think Black Science took a break. I know because um, I know Deadly Class was like a month. It was about a month or two months where they didn't have an issue. Yeah. Um, it it could be because I'm definitely finding that there are you know there are some Remender stuff. There's some Remender stuff that is, in my opinion, some of the best comics I've ever read. Yeah. Like Fear Agent, of course. Mm. Um, and then there's some like Low that I'm just like it gets a lot of press because it's Remender. And yeah. it's like, Remender and Tachini back together making this awesome thing. And then I read the first two issues and I was like, this just, doesn't, it just didn't grab me. And the artwork is, is, in my opinion, detracting from the world that, they'll, that they're building, which sucks for me to say because I know there's a lot of people out there that love Tachini's art and they're just gonna be like, oh my God, what are you saying? You're a fucking idiot. Um, but that that's every show. Like every show, there's somebody out there listening, tell, calling me an idiot. Um <laughs> Hmm. So What's the uh, common theme, you know, yeah. <laughs> low low was disappointing, and the last one, and I hate to say this, but the fade out, like, just not interested, and it's so weird because there has not been a uh, a Brubaker Phillips book that I have not been grabbed by until the fade out. And that's strange because everybody's like going, oh, the fade out's like the best thing that the two of them have ever done together. And so far, I disagree. I still think Fatal's the best thing they've ever done criminal. together. Um, and criminal, Criminal's a mm. close second to Fatal for me. But I, Fatal, I just like because it's got the supernatural aspect yeah. to it. Um, but I read the first three issues of the fade out, and it's not bad. I can't, I, there's never going to be a point where you're going to hear me say that, well, anything that exists so far. Uh, I can't go back and look at Brubaker's and Phillips' uh, collaborations and say that any of it's bad. It's not bad. 
I, um, I I think I pretty much covered that to a certain extent when we uh, did the last Brubaker book, where I'm like, I'm so used to Brubaker being like a ten, and this is like a nine point five, and I'm like, with mm-hmm. Velvet, Velvet, yeah. yeah. Um, I I the fade out to me is just, it's not bad. It's just boring. Like I read the first three issues, and I'm just not interested. And it's it's got kind of an interesting hook, but you really have to. Like he said it in in 1948 in Hollywood, and the whole thing centers around the murder of a of an actress um, in the middle of filming a movie. Uh, and there's you know there's some twists to to it, and that follows uh, one of the writers of the movie. And the setting is just not interesting to me. I feel the same way about Fade Out as I did about um, Satellite Sam. It's like I'm sure it's interesting to somebody. You're just not that person. I just, I'm just not that guy, <laughs> and that's a shame because, like every, and and I think it might be a, a case of of improper expectations because when the fade out came, you know, it's this is the first time I've read the fade out. It's been going for three and a half months. Uh, issue four is almost out, and everybody who's read it is like, "This is fucking fantastic!" and "Oh my god, it's the best thing that Burbank and Phil has ever done." And the expectation was set for me, like, "Holy shit, this is these guys are good." And man, if they're if people are saying that this is the best thing they've ever done, it must be really good. And then I Do got think- into it, and I'm like. Mm, do you think the ex- you know you think it's like that uh, where the expectation is set so high that maybe maybe yeah. it's actually really not bad oh. it's just not I just got overhyped yeah, yeah. Exactly. like yeah if you would have gone in with no expectations, with no expectations. Like, this book is amazing oh my god everyone needs to read it maybe I'm, not I'm amazing saying. but I definitely would have I I I can see that the that yes it would have been more of a oh this is good. You know, it, like I'd be like, eh, this is good. It's not as good as Fatal, probably not as good as Criminal, but I like it. And instead, having well, been hyped I up mean, for it, I'm like, this really isn't as good as people are saying it is. So I have that kind of more of a negative connotation to it. Maybe that's it. It's just, it was disappointing is all I'll say. It's not, um, I like I said, their their stuff is good. He's a good writer. You know, Phillips is a good artist. I, I can't. Can't say it's bad. It's just not for me again. Which is it's it sucks because that's three comics in a row that I've been trying out specifically because of people talking about how good they are, and been disappointed in all of them. Mm. Which is so. Do you think maybe that the, me. that the hook of the storyline for Fade Out hasn't come in yet? No, the hook is definitely already there. Okay, um, because like just didn't set it right. So to. to does anybody care if I spoil the first issue? Nope. No. So the, the the hook of the issue is this guy wakes up in a room after a party. He had passed out drunk, and he wakes up in a room with an actress who's been killed. Mm. Um, oh, that's never been done before. He, Classic he, <laughs> Yeah, right. He exits, you know, he erases his presence and exits from the room. And then when it finally, when people finally find her body and find out that she's been killed, he sees a he sees pictures from a police report where the entire crime scene has been ch- changed and staged to make it look like she committed suicide. So that's the whole. The hook is that he knows she was murdered by someone and didn't commit suicide, mm-hmm. and the press and the the studios are trying to make it look like she did. Okay, and now they're trying to figure out what happened. So. I really was hoping you'd be like the hook is that he's actually glued to her body, <laughs> and so he's got to he, he has to suddenly move around, around. dead corpse with a <laughs> weekend with Bernice. Yeah, Bernice. yeah, we get at Bernice part five. A weekend with Bernice. Bernice. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Yeah, weekend with Bernice. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a shame. Like I'm I'm still I've got a few other comics that I'm trying to read, trying to start reading new stuff. Like Roche Limit is one that I'm going to start, and Warren Ellis's Trees. I'm actually really into Trees. Right like a, a couple like, people have really been like, oh my god. God, have you read Trees yet? I'm like, I read the first issue. It's 
interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, and I and I like it a lot. It's like, and it's good. It's good for me to read something by Warren Ellis that I'm not ragging on, like I did with Transmet. So, <laughs> I, I think there was Whoa. another book by Warren Ellis that you weren't super mm. thrilled with. Was there mm. early on? I don't remember what it was. Yeah, but, we'll figure it uh, out. So I've been catching up. Uh, I've still got a stack, a monster stack that I just picked up. <laughs> and it's like it's so demoralizing to look at it and go, I. You saw the receipt, right? Yeah, I know. It's not Andy Stack, like by any means, but uh, it, it was it was a combination of not having time to get to the comic shop and just being engrossed in so many other things. And I finally yesterday I made it because it was on my path to do some other shit, and I was like, oh, I got to stop by the comic shop and pick up my thing, pick up my freaking collection. And I'm like, and then he, he put that stack up on the counter. I was just like. Fuck. I've when, had that happen a couple of times. When am I? What? When? Like, how am I? I don't. <laughs> what have yeah, I done? What, yeah, exactly. It's like when, shit. When the person brings out the first box that's filled, <laughs> and you're like, "That's a lot of comics," and they're like, "I'm not done yet. I'm not finished." And then oh, you realize, more? "Oh shit! Yeah, I have to get these home." It was so bad that I didn't even walk around the store like I usually do. Usually, I'd walk around to see if there's something else. Maybe I want to peer into. I saw that stack and I was like, "Nah, man, I'm I'm good. I think I'm just gonna get get Your this plate's and go." Full. That's yeah. where I've gotten with video games. We've yeah. talked about this before. I've got like so many fucking video games. Just, I was like, yeah, I, nah, like, I can't, I can't, I can't purchase. I can't. Do, I don't now. give a fuck about new video games anymore yeah. because I just don't care. But uh, I caught up on Future's End, which was a um, pretty much all the major uh, new uh, new fifty two titles had a one book like a one shot tie in where it's about uh, twenty. I want to say it was 20 or 30 years later in the current DC universe where certain things have changed. Um, certain people have actually like died. Almost like the same way of um, – it's not Infinite Crisis, but it's Crisis and on Infinite Earths. I would say I thought you were talking about what Image did the uh, flash forward. Yeah, maybe it's not 20 years. It's a significant time jump, though. It's like it's, A decade it's, or something like that. Right. And um, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool because it's all you – know, because it's, it's all tied in, so it's all-encompassing. Um, of course, it's the major New Fifty Two players. Like, I don't think like Sword and Amethyst got like a Future's End, <laughs> you know, fucking book because fucking Voodoo is like nope, a burnout yeah. stripper. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> I- I- exactly. It was funny. Speaking of that, um, I met the speaking guy. Of burnout speaking of burnout strippers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> got one in my trunk. Anyway, no, 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 but seriously, <laughs> no, but seriously, no, but seriously. I met the guy. <laughs> when they're in your trunk, they're called hookers. <laughs> oh God, guys! I, I've got. I met the guy who uh, who originally started on Voodoo and only did it for five issues at um, Comic Con, and I asked him. As many as many writers and artists get told, I said, you know, why did you stop doing the book? Like, I thought it was pretty interesting. And he's like, simply put, I wanted to go in one direction, and DC wanted to go in another direction, mm-hmm. and we thought it was great that we just split paths, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that really sucks, because I could see you changing writers a year after, you know what I mean? Like, you get Five 12 months issues. is a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know, you get a 12-issue run. And then somebody else writes it. That's fine. Like, that's fine. That's enough time to close out a story arc, you know, do an arc or whatever. But when you're cutting people, like, three months in, five months in, you're just like... Right. That's what happened with... Um, uh, What's-his-face that was writing Static Shock. Um, he also wrote Zombie. Uh, what the fuck's his name? But, yeah, it was the same thing where he, like, he had all these ideas for 
what to hap- what he wanted to happen with yeah. Static Shock and uh, the the company the DC editors came in and were like no we don't like your ideas and he was just like well John Rosam is his name um, and he was just like he had all these great ideas for Static Shock and they were just like no we've got other things planned and he's like why the fuck am I even here it's like why am I why have you got me writing a book when you're not going to let me write the book yeah. well what you know what is the like what is the um, like what is the fine line on the writer's vision and editor's vision yeah. you know what I mean like. If like am I? I know it's not my property, so to speak, mm-hmm. because it's owned. But you brought me in to give a, a spin, story, a story or whatever, and yeah. then you tell me. And, and the thing is, he was telling me I can't remember who wrote who started Voodoo. That's why I'm. I'm fucking it was up. an image book. No, 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 no. The who started the, the new fifty two? Who started new fifty two version? But he said when he first was approached about writing the book, and he gave his ideas, they were like, "Oh yeah, man, this is great, great direction, blah blah, blah this and that." And then five issues in, you're like, "Ah, oh, we kind of changed our mind." And it's like, come on, guys. You know, let me let me finish out. You know, let me finish out a twelve issue run before you before you decide to change it. Yeah, that's um, actually something on that on a similar subject. Uh, there are a lot, a lot of people complaining about uh, the Finches doing Wonder Woman now. Yeah, um, because you know uh, they set up a Wonder Woman that was very. Like I liked the Wonder Woman. Dude, run. Ryan Azzarello. Yeah, Azzarello. Freaking. Oh man. Not Cliff Chang, Cliff, yeah, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. Yeah, man. their Wonder Woman was fantastic. Oh, it was freaking awesome. And I guess the I guess the first issue that was done by it's it's drawn drawn by David Finch and written by David Finch's wife, Catherine. Is it Catherine Finch? I don't remember. It's okay. Finch's wife. Anyway, um, right. they uh, like they apparently they've just I've seen pictures where they've just turned her back into. Uh, a sex pot, you know, yeah. giant giant boobs, big eyes, small mouth, kind of. There's a, there's apparently a scene where she's on a on a jet with the other a couple other members of the Justice League, and she's um, she's like uh, concerned about something and literally clutching a teddy bear on the on the jet. What and just the like fuck? And it's like <laughs> and they so, basi- just, so basically just what backslid so entirely what from what they well is they're, the last they're laying train. the groundwork groundwork for the movie yeah right so it's like we need somebody to write marketing copy for the next two years until the movie comes out so, so yeah. basically what Get you told done. me is the last trade which was like iron or blood one of them i think was mm-hmm. iron uh maybe was one maybe they did one more set after that will probably be the last good Wonder Wonder yeah Wonder because, Wonder because yeah no, they because went through issue th- oh, fuck i think it's 32 issues yeah, was that, the yeah. was the azarello okay. brian chang run I, so i i just and I, re- you know, I've I've really been debating this as I've been reading more about you know the Batman Superman thing and Justice League movies plan and stuff. And then I really looked back on my collection. I was like, man, you know, I really, I I really enjoy Wonder Woman as a character. She's vaulted in my character popularity list as far you know as I've been exploring more and reading more and mm-hmm. uh, of what I've got. And I'm like, man, this character, the character Wonder Woman, has so much potential because she essentially is a link between the DC's world of like magic and mythology and you know the metahuman I guess you could say the metahuman real yeah. real world so I, I mean honestly I was very disappointed in the Gal Gadot choice to play her um I'll uh, I'll I'll wait to see The only reason like... is I just wanted to see it just seems like there could have been a more uh, uh, one of one of the biggest sentences is that you know if it would have been done you know 10 10, 15 years ago, Lucy Lawless would have been sure. an obvious choice. Um, but I just wanted to see a more 
aggressive warrior Amazonian feel to the character because yeah. that's what that's the sense you get when you're reading about the character. You can feel the the power and the the commanding presence of this woman warrior from a race of yeah. fem- you know just female I think, warriors. I think Marvel unfortunately stole the perfect actress for her by casting Jamie Alexander as Sif in the Thor movies mm-hmm. because we were watching we've been watching through the first season of Agents of Shield yeah. and we watched the episode where Jamie Alexander comes on and I'm just like watching her going she's fucking wonder she's fucking yeah. Wonder Woman yeah. Yeah. she is Wonder Woman on screen and it's just like it eh. could have been worse there was a rumor to cast Megan Fox as yeah, her and I was, was like ugh there was a brief there was a brief period of time where they were talking about ca- casting um, uh, the chick that played um, oh my god my, no the the woman f- from Firefly that played oh uh, Summer, Glau. Summer Glau no nope. no no the uh, the consort the consort girl, girl right what I, I god damn my brain just <laughs> fell out of my head are trying you talk- to think are you this talking about the name. consort yes okay yes her and she's in Homeland now and like she would have been great because that was also when Joss Whedon was writing one, the Wonder Woman movie and then he dropped off because what about uh what about Catherine, what, do you, what do you think about Katherine Heigl she's tall she's like six foot already naturally I don't like her as an actress really for one yeah so I just don't oh, okay enough enough talk about DC I, there's a book that I want to talk about it hasn't come out yet <laughs> okay okay so I'm gonna talk about Crossed for a minute. Oh god! Just follow me through on this. Follow me through this, okay? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> Badlands has been going on since the last uh, run of Family Values, and their uh, previews has a book in it called Crossed Plus One Hundred. Takes place a hundred years in the future after the Crossed outbreak. It looks to be completely insane. Here's the <laughs> kicker: Luke is so into this what? right now. Who <laughs> could write the strangest thing humanly possible? Grant Alan Morrison. Moore. Alan Moore. Alan Moore is writing Crossed. Ugh. I don't <laughs> fucking know how insane the this world book is of Alan be. Moore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alan Moore Unbound. <laughs> Seriously like, though, Neonomicon was. I'm like, I I cannot read. This is just, it's filth. I I don't <laughs> even. I don't even <laughs> know. I can't believe it was it's, last it's, night. It's just, it was bad. the babblings of a madman. It really. And I I feel I'm. <laughs> Very curious if like every single issue of Cross Plus One Hundred oh is just going to be like hand done oh, by Alan Moore himself, where he's just like oh, smearing God shit damn it. at each page. <laughs> I just re- I just realized that I forgot we got an email uh, after a while ago. We had had some discussion. It was several episodes ago. We had a discussion about Alan Moore, and we were talking about um, Promethea. Pro- no, Pro- yeah, I think it was Promethea. Neonomicon. Uh, or no, was it? Uh, was it Lock and Not Lock and Key. No, um, uh, wait, the, no, the, it wasn't. Um, I'm sorry, we were. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about Alan Moore and and his kind of descent into madness, and like I made some comment, I made some random Nazi comment. I compared him to Hitler or some shit, and uh, and conversation over. We actually got a we actually got an email that I forgot. I, I'm I'll try and bring it to the next episode where uh, somebody from Great Britain was defending Alan Moore because I guess he's not seen as that crazy in the UK, um, and oh, he like he writes yeah, writes. Other stuff other than comic books uh, that yeah. is not it, it, completely insane, if, and where and where our perception of him is like, wow, this guy is descent into madness. Yeah, and but Great Britain is also the the country where Jedi's are a legal religion. <laughs> so so him making his own religion is like, yeah, you can do totally do that. Yeah. It's the dogs bullocks. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find that email again because I complain. Like I, I read it and I was like. I, 
sorry to say if I offend the person that wrote us the email, I laughed at it. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, okay, yuck, 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 yuck. okay, guys. Um, right. And I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find it and bring it into the next episode because I, I'm just like, like, regardless of what the guy does in the UK and regardless of what kind of like uh, books he writes other than comic books, like his, his, the persona that he has built for himself in the American comic book industry is of a superhero. A, he a is a superhero. <laughs> I've seen the episode of The Simpsons. No, man. Out, he's is a complete whack job. And so, whatever. Um, there was, I, I don't know what the listener's name is, but please explain, explain to me just at the gates. If you've read it, please. <laughs> I think I understand, but I'm not quite sure. Like, I understand. I love HP Lovecraft, but help. <laughs> Did you see the thing that I posted to Facebook about somebody kickstartering a comic book, uh, a 64-page uh, one-shot comic book where HP uh, Lovecraft is recast as a um, an action hero with magic? And I'm like, and, and mm-hmm. my response to that on Twitter was, is he still a raging racist? <laughs> <laughs> Purge the infection. Oh, man. <laughs> his, oh. his ultimate goal is a racially pure Europe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, Have you been reading anything, Joel? Uh, I've been I've been tooling through uh, stray bullets. No straight <laughs> stray bullets, which is um, after all the like the superhero and the nice pulpy stuff that we have. Stray bullets is just so dark. Yeah, it's so bleak. I fucking told you at the point when I, they're like, "If you want a happy book, stop reading." At this point, I have, and it I have gotten you, to that point yet. It though. tells you stop reading. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't gotten to that point yet where it says stop reading. But um, I mean, just the the content that's in that is kind of the stuff that got me back into comic books. It was you know pulp fiction kind of stuff criminal where, criminal yeah where people are just dying just randomly from doing bad things there's like a little excerpt on on swingers and yes it's just it's so, hilarious it goes through everything um yeah so i'm just reading through that and then also i I'd, I'd like to talk about uh just real quick mocking jay because i haven't read the okay. books right okay and so i'm reading mocking jay you have re- read the yes books. i've read the whole series okay and so maybe you can help me out with this because i'm going through i through the movies. I've seen the movies. I've seen the first two. I haven't seen Mockingjay. Yeah, and Mockingjay is pretty good. One. Part one. Yeah, I, when I saw part one, I was like, oh God, I'm going to have to go to another one. <laughs> but the two hour trailer for the one thing. Jay the part one two. thing I noticed is that one thing. Uh, one of the things about Katniss is that she's supposed to be like a hero. Like a lot of young girls I, idolize her because she's a strong female character. Okay. And throughout this entire movie, it seemed like she was a JRPG character. She's just an observer. Yeah, she doesn't talk at all. Through most everything's happening around An her. An And she That's is definitely the, the way it was in the book. In She's the books too. Yeah. Super reluctant. Like yeah. She doesn't she doesn't want to be a hero. Yeah, she I just can... she never wanted to in the books and the problem that I had with the third book with, with Mockingjay the book was that they took that they took that premise too far and it's a like we I've I've read the series. I really like the first book. Mm. I thought the second book was meh. It was a kind of a rehash of the first book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mockingjay as a book was a dumpster fire. It was <laughs> fucking terrible. So, wait, wait, let me do this right. Fire. Okay. So there's only one battle royale book, and it is fantastic. Okay. There are two battle royale movies, and the second one is not great by any means. There's no third material for. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. 
So, and, and the one thing I was noticing is, okay, you have this strong female character that does not talk. Everything happens around her and happens to her. And I'm just, when I'm watching this, I was like, well, this would not pass the Bechdel test, you know, if, my ho- even if it tried. My hope is that they diverge from the book in the second movie. Oh, there's that word again. Hope. And, <laughs> yeah. And because, because of the fact that in the book, she's never really like interested in helping at all. Yeah. And you know, something happens in the book that I can't talk about because it's, it might be a spoiler for, you know, the movies and everything for people who haven't read the books. But, um, she never really gets, she never really takes on the role of, of, uh, the mocking Jay. She's, she lets the other people build a persona around her yeah, that yeah. she doesn't support. Um, the problem is that in the books, they go so far with it that it just, it's just, fails to be interesting like you start to you in the book for me anyway um i got i liked katniss in the first book and progressively hated her more as the series went on Mm -hmm. um what i'm hoping is that they take the dumpster fire that is the third act of the first book or the third book and and fix it in the movies and maybe have something that turns her around and like brings her to Brings her into the role that she's played, but I don't think they'll no. do that because it's it, like the hero's journey, but the hero has lost their map and decides to be a little bit lazy and just hang out. Right. I mean, I totally understand the reluctant hero, right? Sure. That's part Absolutely. of the hero's journey, but there's there comes a part where you have to take the reins and take it over for yourself, you know? Yeah. And when you guys were talking about Wonder Woman, it kind of touched on this too, where like out of the big three, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, like Batman and Superman have done things in the DC universe that changed that course of the entire universe, right? Mm-hmm. They've done, like, Batman's done multiple stuff. Superman, Superman flew around the planet, uh, sending Earth backwards yeah. in time. Yeah. What, what has, what oh has God, Wonder Woman Superman done so on that much. universe that has Character makes me inextricably, inextricably changed that universe? Well, she banged Aquaman, and uh, that right. led to a war Flash between... Well, right. no, but right. see... And Flashpoint, but, they, but even then, that was that the only was time. Not, but even then, that's not really caused by her. It's caused by the well, Flash. She, she, she did it. Okay, here's the thing. Like, if Flash doesn't, if Flash doesn't save, if saves his mom, all this other shit happens. So he is the catalyst for it, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. The difference, but the, she has the capability to do it. But they, there was an all-out war that changed yeah, the world. But the right, writers between. can't seem to manage to figure out how to make Wonder Woman. Like that's why I liked. That's why I liked. Azarello's Wonder Woman because it focused on her as an Amazon yep. and it focused on her society and yep. the things that she was like her der- entanglement with her, the gods, her entanglement everything. with the gods and all of that stuff. And now she's they're just a powerful <clears throat> female protagonist who has been sort of reduced to someone who apparently clutches a teddy bear. And yeah, and now they've hamstrung her into a um, her solo book. Under the Finches is going to just become yet another. Uh, it's not a Wonder Woman solo book. It is a Justice, Justice League side story. Offshoot. It's, yeah. it's not. It's not pronounced hamstring. Well, it's, it's pronounced coup de gras. All right. So for the last two weeks, we've been reading the first six issues of Deadly Class. Uh, it's a Rick Remender and Wes Craig. It's an image book. Uh, it's set in 1987. At least this first arc is set in 1987, and it's about a kind of a homeless street rat kid who gets recruited by a a school for assassins. Yes, um, and it turns out 
uh, in the first few issues, you learn that when you, when he gets to the school for assassins, it's um, basically all of the all of the biggest spy and crime cartels in the world send their children to this school to learn how to become assassins. And while they are there, they have like a detente. Basically, they're not allowed to kill each other, even though a lot of them are from rival factions and rival uh, organizations. Um, and most of them are from rich families and have some connection to a larger organization, except for the main character, who is literally just a homeless kid that they find out has some talents that uh, they didn't expect him to have. And he gets recruited by a, a woman who's already a member of the school. King's um, Dominion School Kings, of the Deadly Arts. There you go. <laughs> um, King's Dominion is a fucking theme park in Virginia. But go ahead. <laughs> maybe going. maybe it's the theme now park you know for what assassins. The, I was gonna say now you know what the co- the cover the is. Cover is yeah. right. Um, uh, All the I, workers at a theme park are assassins in training. <laughs> I started reading this book when it started when it came out because I was um, at the time on a huge Remender kick, and I think Black Science came out just Black before Science this. Was right? the month before or like mm, weeks before? Yeah, just before this. So, and I was you know big on Black Science. I love that book. Um, I started reading Deadly Class, and I really liked the first two issues. Really liked the first two issues. Um, Wes Craig's... I want to talk about Wes Craig's art first this time. Art first? Yeah, because um, Wes Craig's art reminds me a lot of um, Johnny Christmas's stuff for Sheltered. I think it has actually a little bit to do with the coloring. Maybe. Um, Because if you look, sort of every panel or every page has its own tone to it. Mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, shades of red, shades of blue, shades of, you know, whatever color. And that's like a dominant theme on the page. And that will normally give you the intention. Yeah. There's a lot of like black, white, and red for violent scenes. Or if it's a depressing scene or it's trying to convey sorrow, it'll be like a purple or like, you know, a really dark blue. Like yellow is generally history or a flashback. Yeah. yeah, the coloring is definitely striking in this book because it's very tonal. Um, it's very it, it rather feels than realistic. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, what I was going to say, like the art to me, like Wes Craig's art style f- is extremely well fit to this story, and it looks to me. I was going to say it's a it's a dead cross to me between Johnny Christmas and Ming Doyle. Um, Ming Doyle Ming did. did um, uh, what was the what was the <laughs> can't That's remember the, the Brian like Wood the Brian Wood book about the girl in the future who's like uh, they've replaced all war with sports basically and she's oh the she becomes a superhero she becomes basically a superhero yeah <laughs> yeah that book um but so yeah Ming she, he has some Ming Doyle but he's definitely got his own style and. One of the things that I really liked about the artwork in this book was that was kind of how um, super cartoony over the top it is at points. Like in some of the action sequences, and especially once you get into issues like four or five, when there's like some of the drug binging mm. going on, he's got this like just hyper, like hyper cartoony uh, style that really. I think really fits the like eighty seven setting really really well. What did you guys think about the art? Don't go. Somebody's got to talk. Other. Than I know. Me. I no. I I was <laughs> you finish. I your actually book, I liked thought. it because <laughs> <clears throat> whenever it would, I like the the tones that are in the backgrounds because that gives you kind of an emotion or a feeling of what you should be feeling mm-hmm. during this time, and um, 
okay, I know this is going to sound kind of stupid, but I really like the hair. The okay. hair is well done. I mean, most most of the time, a, a a lot of artists don't know how to use hair. There's a very specific distinct. style for hair over overarching through many artists. Yes. Yeah, because most of the time with artists, what they do is they just give them a different hair color and that defines yeah. different characters. That's how you can tell the difference between one person and the other. Where this one is that he actually seems like a spends time on that and they have mm-hmm. different styles so each each character has a different um feeling to them and a very distinctive look to mm-hmm. them like it's a it's a good indication that of the talent that you can look at a silhouette of a character and if you're familiar with the characters you know who that character is mm-hmm. yeah like you know you've got um i mean even if you look at the, the cover of the very first issue you can look and it's got you know any character that you know would be relevant in the book on there with the exception of like the principal and like you could make it, you know, you could literally turn it into a two tone solid silhouettes. Like mm-hmm. everything that's, you know, the bottom half is black and the top half is blue and you would still have an idea of which character was, even though there's like three or four of them who are way in the background. Yeah. Yep. I would say I, um, I enjoy this art because it's, to me, it kind of has a manga feel, right? A little like, bit. I can l- see that. You know, like a little mm-hmm. bit of manga feel. But at the same time, it has the grittiness and the edginess that... <laughs> those words. Gritty, <laughs> edgy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gritty, edgy. But Those never get overused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does, to me, it does have that grit that the book needs. The book, I don't think the book re- requires like clean pixels and and very smooth defined. Yeah, you don't need uh, you don't need Jim Lee for this book. No, you, right? you yeah, need like, yeah you need that you need that grit kind of you know at the point where when something is being drawn it cuts off at this point and then it starts again and it's and and it really helps the eighties feel. You can actually believe that this book is in the eighties and not you're like okay you're saying it's in the eighties but it's obviously two thousand whatever. No, exactly. it, it has that eighties that eighties feel and then the writing. When they talk about side topics, directly correlates to the feel of the art and the book. When they talk about the music that's being listened to, oh my to, god, I love that the, part of it. Yeah, the things, the things that have happened, uh, you know, recently. You think about it, it's like, oh, eighty-seven. Yeah, okay, that did kind. Of, yeah, that's right. That's right around that time. And they, I believe that uh, they're working that, like you were saying, that artwork directly works with the writing and the feel of the book. As it is now. Uh, so you were going to say that uh, you said that it was a combination of Johnny Christmas and the guy who did not come back uh, the art for with I Ming Doyle Ming Doyle and it's a woman, FYI Ming oh, Doyle's a Ming woman. Do- okay, fair enough. So okay, yeah. go ahead. But <laughs> I feel like it's a combination of Johnny Christmas and Nathan Fox. What like, does Nathan Fox do? Nathan Fox, uh, he did uh, fluorescent black. Uh, he's done some stuff. Um, for he did the Zodiac book when um, so books that Andy Padell has read that Luke Matthews has not read. Uh, sure, I don't <laughs> I, sorry, I don't the keep Andy, track of what you read. The what Andy you don't Padell read. reading list, ladies and gentlemen. But Nathan Fox is a very uh, heavy metal style. Okay, of, I can see that. That is super appropriate, in my opinion, for a book that's set in '87. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, in '87, like heavy metal was, you know, that was the fuck. Like the movie had just come out. Like all sorts of stuff would be influenced art wise by that. So having the book have sort of that feel to it really kicks it back into that time frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I also wanted to talk about like the action, the way that some of the panels are broken up. Like in the very first issue, when oh shit, I can't remember the assassin, the girl assassin's name on the motorcycle. Uh, she's Japanese. It's uh, I can't remember names in this book. That's yeah, a, it's really that's hard. A serious problem for me it's with really, this book. There are well, a lot of characters. Well, the, the one chick, her, his name is like Rosa, right? The right. the um, Hispanic chick yeah. that he's kind of flirting with. Yeah. Um, it's really yeah. Names sometimes is really hard to. But the Japanese assassin jumps off of a motorcycle onto a cop car, and the way that they de- depict it is there are three panels that are sort of side by side by side of to the first two, and it's like the bike being chased by the cop car. Then it's just mm-hmm, the bike, mm-hmm. and then it's the cop car. But she breaks the walls between the panels with five different things showing sort like of the arc the, of her jump, the poses that yeah, and the keyframes. It's great. Like, I love seeing creative use of the framing and using it to further illustrate your story. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of illustrates movement without using motion lines. Yeah. You know? I also um, I also like the what they've done with clearly defining, using the art to clearly define the factions. You know, the, um, mm-hmm. albeit that the, and, and I, I'm not mad, I'm not upset about it, but albeit that each faction is very stereotypical in their attire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rich kids, like there's a rich kid faction where they're all like, you know, suits, tuxedos, formal dresses, just very, very prim and privileged. Uh, and then, you know, you have the Hispanics, the, I guess you say like the bangers, which they're all, you know, wearing the uh, the flannels that are buttoned at the top button. And, and it's like, but albeit stereotypical, one, we got to remember that this is the 80s. That is supposed to be set in, and two, I think it gives a clear definition of who you're dealing with, who you're talking to, where they stand on so on certain issues. Uh, the preps, who are the preppy kids, yep. the Dixie mob, who's like hillbillies. southern hillbillies, yep. Soto Vatos, which is the the Hispanic kids, the Jersey Kings, clearly, yep. um, <laughs> Jersey the, Shore. <laughs> Final World Order, which is South Central not, Los Angeles, that's okay, like, yeah. uh, like gangbangers, gangbangers, yeah. yeah. Ku, the Kuroki Syndicate, which is the Japanese, the Japanese the, yep. and the, those are the six factions that they they yeah. show in the comic book. So when the first in 1987, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. the first six issues. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So, so here's where here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna. Go into your hate. Yet again, <laughs> talk about what I don't like. Luke uh, Matthews, ladies and gentlemen, love, he hates hate, everything. Hate, 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 hate. When I saw the premise for this book, I love the premise for this book. I absolutely loved it. Um, especially with Remender because of what he did with Fear Agent. I was really, really looking forward to the idea of um, that kind of like taking on um, this kind of over the top idea of a, of a, school for assassins you know especially set in 1987 because um it just seemed like it would be really a cool idea and the first issue lived up to that for me the first two issues i should say they you know this kid has a a shitty life and some bad things some things go wrong for him and he's about to get pinched by the cops and he gets rescued by this this girl who takes him to this school and then the final panel the first issue where they you know it's the old Japanese guy with the bald head and the the Fu Manchu mm. and like uh and he you know he shows them this entire fucking like 
Xavier's School for the Gifted Mansion that's in a cave underground. Yeah, in a cave underground. Um, And I was like, this is fucking fantastic. And now we're going to see the school and we're going to see all these interactions and it's going to be cool. And we started to get that with issue two. And then issue three came up and the tangent happened. And it goes off on this tangent where four of them or five of them go to Vegas go to Vegas and in the process of going to Vegas they like go on this huge acid binge um, so the vast majority of the next several issues are, are told from the perspective of the main character whose name I can't fucking remember um, on an acid binge Johnny at the Quick. time and it just lost me it lost the whole the premise of what I was looking for with this whole school for assassins, even if it was, you know, even if in a grittier style than something like Morning Glories, which is more of a more like reading a, you know, a Buffy style kind of right. Joss Whedon comic. This was gonna it was gonna be a grittier style, which I was fine with. But there was just something about that whole fucking storyline um, that there's nothing in it I can relate to for one and two, the the they take characters that I was just starting to like and strip them of anything that, that interests me in liking them. All of them turn into fucking douche nozzles. So here's my, (laughs) here's my take on this. My take is because I absolutely, uh, I guess adore, adore this book. Uh, My take is that regardless of what they've been tasked to do or regardless of what school they're attending, it's sort of like the kids will be kids aspect because okay. the they talk about to an extreme degree, obviously to, because to, of what they are to an extreme. Right? Yes, yeah. to an extreme degree, right? They're almost like juveniles will be juveniles. Yeah. This is we've tried to reel them in, we've tried to set them on a course of, to give them some type of purpose, but in the end of the day, they're still like juvenile little shits that are gonna you know because one of the one the one of the things is like they talk about how they're supposed to be in like. They get in trouble and they're sent to like isolation, the hole or whatever. And the chick's like, "Well, yeah, I was in that and I broke out and nobody ever knew." And I like, and and one of them is supposed to be in there and they're like in Vegas and they're like, "Nobody will ever know that I'm gone or whatever." Yeah, Marcus. And, yeah, main character, Marcus. Marcus. Thank you. So, I I don't I don't dislike that part of the story. I I I I like the fact that we're still. I guess I'm. We're still humanizing them, and we're still saying that they're going to be who they are. They're still going to live uh, that juvenile lifestyle, regardless of what of what this school is trying to give them or what it's trying to mold them into. Yeah, because they're young. Because it's not like it's not like they're you know twenty six or twenty seven, and we're saying, oh, you're going to be an assassin, like a like you know like Assassin's Creed or something. They're these are. They're at, it's it's a high school basically, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's you know most of them are not older than like nineteen or something. So, and to to a degree, four, I can. Is are they that, no? What, what, no, they're well, like they're there's like a high range. School. There's like, a range. Yeah. Fourteen is high school. There, Fair, there's but, a range of freshman to senior. There are those who have been there longer than Marcus. Marcus, I think, is fifteen or yeah. sixteen. I think he's like fifteen. So, my. My issue, I guess, is that that's a fine that's a fine storyline for a couple issues, but it's it 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 felt like it derailed, right? It didn't to me. It didn't feel like a natural progression. It felt like this is a storyline that could have been maybe told for the second arc, 
Um, but to go two issues, introduce them to the school and immediately follow that, like to jump off onto that path where, um, you know, it's a, it's literally a three issue acid trip. Well, I and, think they're also trying to explain well, the, the fact that Marcus is just a guy who's just always in a shitty fucking. Uh, he's a, he he's literally has an incredibly n- tragic life. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like he's always a catalyst for bad shit. So at first it's the it's the the parents getting killed. Parents getting killed, and then you know he and kills then killing the guy ki- in the ki- alley. He kills the guy in the alley, and then now he's at the school, and then then there, like the, there's a bunch of shit. Like yeah, the, then the the woman who the the Hispanic girl. Who they're not supposed to even date inside outside other factions falls in love once they you know, wants to date him when she's already dating the other Chico. guy yeah the other guy who's like the fucking son of like the biggest fucking cartel but like just he his it's not even his choices it's just he just constantly gets he's in the wrong place at the wrong time and, kind of thing and it's consistently almost, yeah and that's all that's almost something that that is a problem for me it's I don't think it's bad storytelling so I look, think that the story that they're telling is not a story that interests me partially for the same. It's partially for the same reason that I didn't like Transmetropolitan because it is relentlessly depressing. It is a relentless downer. It gets worse. And, um, and part of the problem that I had with, with the, especially the second half of this first arc is that it's not only relentlessly depressing, it is, um, Frankly, the especially issue six is relentlessly gratuitous. The like issue six is just a it's Sorry. it's Marcus getting the shit beat out of him for the whole issue <laughs> by Chico, <laughs> and that's what happens. At, okay, so having read it as singles, I need I want to make sure that I'm not spoiling something. What happens at the end of issue six? At the end of issue they six, go... Marcus, uh, the the Hispanic girl whose name I don't remember with the fans, Rosa. Cuts Chico's throat, okay. and then the guy with the disfigured face Comes shows up and basically says, you guys better train him up so that I can kick his ass and have an actual challenge later, and then he picks up Chico's body and walks, walks away. Off, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and then so, there's some... Here's, here's where I'm going to step into a world where I'm not really critiquing the book on merits. I'm critiquing it because I'm... Is the, last two, the last two fucking pages of that issue is a bunch of pretentious bullshit. Oh my God, Luke! But there we go. I'm do- I'm done with that, and now we can move okay, on. Okay, so <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that Chico actually dies in the trade yes. that people are reading because I didn't want to be like, so no, he does. You know, they killed Chico, and then the ramifications of that, and everyone across the table is just staring at me like, they killed Chico, like <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so like, I think at the end, I think also in issue six, they talk about uh, how Marcus is like Rosa's really into Marcus, but Marcus kind of is into Rosa. Of course, he's into the Japanese girl, which he re- can't really have because that wasn't sick. That was a couple issues before, because oh. that was still during the. Well, no, this is after Chico dies. After Chico dies, because Rosa is like, oh fuck, like I've killed Chico, and they're trying to find out who killed Chico, and we have this mm-hmm. secret. And then he's kind of like, I'm not really into you. Like I'm into you because you're into me, but but like because he starts hanging out with the Japanese girl, and he knows that Rosa kind of doesn't like that. Rosa is fucking nuts. Rosa is crazy. Yeah, she uh, is, as as she gets developed as a character, she like, is you feel real crazy. bad for her. Yeah, yeah she really. is crazy. Real bad, real bad. Um, so you guys talk about positives because I'm like, start I talking just, about positives. Like I okay. like I I like okay. I've said this and I will say it again. I like I like the book. I I I like the direction that the book goes in. I like the development of the characters. I like the sidebars that happen. 
between you know Marcus and the other characters. Where you know one time there's a sidebar where they're just talking about like new music, and he's like, "Oh man, hey, this LL Cool J shit isn't bad either, man." And he's like, "Oh yeah, well, what do you listen to?" He's like, "I bet you listen to whatever." And he's like, "No, I, I like uh, I think he's like something like cool. I like something or whatever." And he was like, "Ah, that shit's like old shit, man." <laughs> it's a whole like, bunch of something whatevers. In I that can't sense. remember. I'm trying to because I can't remember the. Exact, Have you heard the message? I, that shit's amazing. I can't remember the exact <laughs> artist that they're right. talking about. But that is a very Remender thing too. Like if you if you follow yeah referred. if you follow Remender outside of the comics that he's write, writes he's he's huge into music yeah. and like him and Fraction both are like yeah. they both worked in the music industry yeah. for a while. So like um, that's t- something that definitely I could see him working his I, his I mean, like you, love for the music industry and the knowledge of it into the comic there, books. You find a, out that the uh, the black kid that's like part of the new world the final world order or whatever that he he's actually not a killer like that yep. whole thing so he you know you just find out these little things that put you in touch with the character and then after after that a lot of the other decisions that have been written about the characters kind of make sense you're like oh okay that makes then understand, i understand that i understand this part i think i also like the part that marcus considering the fact that he's an outcast that one he does he all the people that end up in that school are privileged in some way he is not nope but there are other people in the school the out, the other outcasts who he goes and finds them who are also there because of some odd happening or some not they're not privileged they're they're you know they're the they're the freaks of the school the outcast group and for me I'm thinking about how I went to high school and I'm thinking like I can see all these factions in my own in my own life and in my own high school and then I can jocks, see the punks yeah the, jo- the jocks yes the, the jocks the punks the goths the fucking the geeks the the fucking intellectuals or whatever this like all this other thing. And I just I really like I really like the world for one. I really love the development of the characters. I like the art. I think all the pieces of this come together in a beautiful kind of hub and spoke aspect to make a complete wheel. Yeah. Well, well put. Yeah. Thank you. You are, you you are well. super silent on this episode, Joel. <laughs> you need to start talking. Well, no, to, no, I was expressing well, opinion. Okay, so here's here's the thing. It's it's remender. Love Remender, and with every Remender story, there is always going to be some kind of psychedelic, otherworldly <laughs> part to it. You know, I mean, Fear Agent, um, World or Dimension Z with Captain America, Last Days of American Crime. There was a little bit of and drug, yeah. <clears throat> and so that's that's just something that you expect. If you're going to watch a J.J. Abrams movie, there's going to be lens flare. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch if you're gonna read a Remender book, there is going to be Remender with some otherworldly drug trip or other it's like or whatever. You expect the same thing from Warren Ellis. At some point, someone is going to use some sort of narcotic, and there is going to be an issue or four where like other worlds are explored. There's gonna yeah. be camera slow down with Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, every sixty pans. <laughs> I just <laughs> and that and that was the one thing I was wondering about it because this was a story that was set in the real world, right? I mean, there is Ish. some kind of other, otherworldly part. I mean, an assassin school, that kind of stuff. But where was he going to do the dimension jumping, time travel? You know, that he did it with an in acid their trip. own yeah. minds. Yeah. And I, I, I don't have a problem with the concept of that acid trip. My problem is that I feel like it derailed the first uh, the first arc. I feel like that would have been a fantastic second arc for the book. Mm. Um, where I would have liked to have seen the first six issues be more about the school and learning about the school and the interactions, but 
when they when they do like it's it's because that's almost how it builds right the first issue is like building up to the school and then the second issue is here's a bunch of shit about the school and uh, here's the basics and then the storyline just you rip right out of the school immediately i don't think they're trying to give you everything up front yeah i think like no because if i if i if i okay so if i'm building something for you and i get you know especially when it comes to story and i give you all this up front i'm not expecting them to dump Everything about the school into six so, issues, so just you, a story about the story that's still set in the school. Give him a minute to give him a minute to learn where he's where he's be, been uh, recruited. I into. think that lifestyle is supposed to be that lifestyle of that school is supposed to be just so fast paced and freaking unpredictable that it's it, preparing you for becoming an assassin. It, ex- exactly, and that would be the life of an assassin. It it's going to keep you on your guard because if you become complacent, then it, you're going then to then you're going to die. And even though they say the one of the rules of school is like you cannot kill another student, it's there's always that plotting. Like there's always that plotting. There's right. always somebody looking at you, and you're always looking over your shoulder. Even though this is clearly the rule, but that doesn't mean that someone's going to. It's like okay, so if you're in a school for an assassins, right? Murder is illegal. It is a. It's not you know something that is allowed. Yeah. So why would it be any different? Be like, well, you guys are going to go into the real world, you know, eventually. But well, it's, you can totally just kill each other here. Well, That's yeah, fair. it's the same as uh, if you remember the uh, the first the f- it, this this is going to connect. Connect. I know it's going to sound like it doesn't. But <laughs> I know I have, but I have to say that the very first book in the Star Wars extended universe of Darth Bane, right when he goes to the academy, and one of the first rules they tell you at the academy is you cannot kill another student. But they do it all the time. But they, but however, the thing under that is that basically, if you kill another student and you get caught, you're just shit. That's the point. It's not really the point of you cannot. It's like you can do it, just don't get caught. Like you know what I mean? Well, and that's and that's and, and actually I, something that I was thinking about this book, and I was thinking about that tangent. And if 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 it is what I hope, and I haven't read past issue six, so this might be something that that could happen. What I hope is that somewhere down the line, um. This this escape slash drug binge slash killing the one dude's father and then killing Chico yeah. becomes a um, like there's more to it. There's more to it than just I, I a, an escape and, dr- and a drug binge that that, you know, maybe part of it is a test for Marcus. Maybe part of it is maybe part of it is they were trying to get Ki- Chico killed. Right. Those kinds of things like. Well, now he also knows there's just a guy after him. That yes. Wants to fuck him up, if like. there's a, if there's. I can. I'm okay. I know that it's going to lead somewhere. Yeah. I'm just hoping that it's not just a oh they escaped and they they had this adventure and then now other things are going to move on after oh. it. You know, I want there to be more. I want there to be more to it because in and of itself, I just didn't find it interesting. Andy, well, no, is, and I- is that the case? Yeah, it, it's, later on in the story. It's basically the second arc. Okay, so here's my question, because there was a concerted effort to set it in 1987. So does that mean second that... second arc is 1988. Okay, so are they... Is is it going to be like yearbooks? I, th- I think basically... Okay, so this is what I was going to say a few minutes ago. I think that it's going to probably be like a 24 to 26 issue series where each arc is six or seven issues, and it's going to be 1987, 88, 89, and 90. Okay. Um, and then that will be... For the worst analogy ever, that is the Harry Potter of murder. <laughs> <laughs> the Harry Potter of murder. No, I can't okay, see that. So this is his freshman year. But, okay. uh, yeah. this, this book this was his freshman year. Um, his okay. sophomore year continues some of the stuff from like the repercussions of the acts of the first yeah. book. 
Yeah. Uh, and so I, I do <clears throat> have the benefit of being able to say, I know where this is going. So some of the issues that Luke has, I was like, okay, I can see where, like, if you just read 87, like, I can see how that could be a concern. But having gone past that, I can say, these questions are answered. These questions, you know. And I think that's necessary to to talk about because of the fact that reading it as a standalone thing, like, I will probably read issues beyond this to see what Seven, happens. Seven, nine are really good. If I, if I were in, if I were doing this in a microcosm where I had just picked up the first trade and read the first trade, I would just be like, meh. And okay, I would, well, I, I see, don't I think see, I'd read beyond it. I see a trend here only because of things, other things we discussed, we, like Agents of Shield, Arrow, things like that, right? And I, I'm starting to see that for you, it's a a lot is made is basically made or broke in like the first two episodes or issues or initially, right? And definitely I'm not saying, first. I'm not. I'm not saying for most a, comic books, the first three to four right, issues. I'm, no, are and I'm not. I'm not make or break I'm not, for me. Um, criticizing you about that. You know, that's just how some you've be- said the same thing with yeah, issues that you've read. Right. So yeah, yeah. And and but I think that it it's basically a certain thing that you need, and if you don't get that, you kind of won't stick with it. And sometimes that may maybe. prohibit you from. Maybe seeing the gem that's coming, but that's the thing is that um, part of to me part of good storytelling is setting the seeds that make you want to read more, mm-hmm. and and that's why I'm saying that's why I want to say with with specifically with Deadly Class, I don't think it's poorly written. Mm-hmm. I don't think the art is bad. I think it's a well constructed comic book that didn't set the hooks in me, right? Yeah. They clearly did for you right. and Andy, oh, and, God, right? Yes. Like, yeah. and like, yeah. maybe by the, yeah. for Joel, yeah. by the nuts, and, man. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just dragging yeah. me along. Exactly. I'm like, come and look at that fish hook, and, and that's like, ah. and that's the thing. Like, I can't. I will never. Like, I reading through it, I can tell it's. I can, I can tell the positives of it now. And there's a there's a comparison that I'll make to to a book. I'm going to compare this to Preacher because the first six or seven issues of Preacher, I I thought it was okay, mm-hmm. but. There was some there was some stuff in it that just didn't interest me, yeah. but by the time I finished Preacher, it's one of my favorite books. Yeah, it's it's like, fucking fantastic, you, right? Like so, the, the sum is greater than the parts yeah. of that story. And you I can need the whole journey. I can see where this book could get much better mm-hmm. and could could use the the stuff that happened in that first arc. What's well, like? I mean, okay. So, like to use the Preacher analogy for a second, um, I remember the first like I read it as singles. And when I got to issue like seven or so, when Tulip gets shot in the head, spoilers, <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck did I just, and yeah. you know, and yeah. like, and then that all plays out. And then you need that, you know, very, very early moment, like to when you get to the end of the book and it's um, Jesse and Tulip walking off through the gridlock on the horse. And his response is, didn't you already know what I wanted to be when he's talking about being a cowboy? Mm-hmm. You need that early moment to get to the payoff at the very end. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I, you did say you read you read the first six, you know, like yeah. on, on your own, you read the first six issues. I just, I, I just like the book so much. I mean, I don't, I don't, I tr- I'm trying to think of anything that I really was just like, oh, come on, man, what the fuck? <laughs> and there really was nothing in this book. Now, guaranteed, it's not, I'm not going to say it's a 10 out of 10. But um, well, why don't you wrap up your thoughts with your buy, borrow, burn then? Okay, uh, I would be a solid buy. It's okay. it's on my reading list. It's still on my reading list. And barring, and barring, I think honestly, a change in writer, uh, it's I, not going to happen because he owns this. Book. Yeah, but I would yeah, say yeah. barring like a change in writer, um, 
or a dramatic shift in who does the art, um, I would all I would see myself basically following this, like finishing this out. I could definitely see Johnny Christmas doing the art on this book if Wes Craig dropped out or him doing filler issues. Nathan or something. Fox would be another one I, yeah. I could imagine. Joel, yeah. bye, oh, um, bye. Remember, you know. Remember. Uh, I'm gonna go borrow because uh, it's. It's definitely not for everyone. Like, it's definitely... I I don't think this story f- would appeal to everyone because it doesn't... Like, this particular arc does not appeal to me. Um, so I know that it wouldn't appeal to everyone because I, I assume there's some other people out there that have same taste in comic books as I do. Um, nope. Yeah, probably not. Nope. I'm, nope, the, nope, I'm nope. the asshole. It's nope. me. <laughs> the exception that proves the rule. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be a solid borrow, and I'm going to read this. The second arc is make or break for me on this book. If the second arc doesn't doesn't fill the need that I need out of this book, then I'm, I'm, I give up. However, um, you've but, watched all the Rocky movies, but go ahead. So, <laughs> go, go ahead. Go what? Go ahead. How does that even go apply? Ahead. That go doesn't ahead. even make any go, sense. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Andy. <laughs> so I will, I will preface this by saying that I have this um, yes. on my poll list. I love this book. I think it's fantastic. I do think that for some people, um, if you don't know what you're getting into, though, it might not be your cup of tea. You need to like crime drama. You need to like normal settings. You need to be okay with reading a very depressing How do you story. say normal settings? This is like a whack job There's setting. no superheroes. There's no... Fair. No one's flying anywhere. No one... Like, I mean, it's... It is. It's, it's, a norm, it's, it's an action a normal, film. It's an it's a normal action. It's film. a normal setting in the same way John Wick is a normal setting, yeah. where there is a there is an underworld setting that has been built that is not realistic, quote unquote, but it is or not known to everyone. But yeah. it does not. Yeah, it's it's not the real world for everyone. This movie. Yeah, it's not mystical or or you know yeah. superpower. There, there's or there's nothing. Yeah, like I mean, everyone is you know. It's kind of like if you think of uh, Captain America, right? He is the peak. Of what you know, he, normal humans cannot do what he can't do, or he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, like sort of that is sort of the standard for the assassins. They are all very, very much above and beyond what you would expect any normal person to be able to do. Yeah, and but Andy's pretty bleak too. It's kind of way that they, the way that they describe D and D characters, yeah. where a first level D and D character is still head and shoulders way above any normal human peasant. Yep. But to reiterate, it is a dark dark story and it's i have a a couple people at my shop who can't read it because it's just too depressing so taking that all into consideration (laughs) i'm actually going to list it as a borrow so for the next uh for the next several shows uh we have episode 82 is going to be unfortunately it's going to be eddie's last regular episode before he leaves the country Indeed. He's it just he did, didn't even want to just quit the show. He just had to feel like he had to get out of the fucking country to get <laughs> yeah, away from leave us. the country. I don't even want to be in the Thousands same of miles. The trade secret Thousands podcast. of miles away. <laughs> I need to be on the other side of the world to get away from these uh, fuckers. ocean between us. Uh, and that issue is going to be Batman Court of Owls. It's the new 52 uh, Court of Owls storyline by mm. Scott Snyder and Greg, Greg Capullo. Capullo. Oh, so uh, ep- episode 83 is going to be volume one, uh, the library edition volume one of Hellboy, which includes Wake the Devil and uh, Seed of Destruction. Uh, episode 84 is going to be Miss Marvel, and episode 85 is going to be uh, Black Science. Uh, we've got everything through episode 91 scheduled out, and I'll, uh, I'll, we'll start talking about that when we get closer to, uh, to 85. We'll talk about what's through episode 90 and 91, but uh, there's a ton of books coming out. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, blog and Sugan Flagen Hogan. Um, we will uh, left with Tyson. We'll have a we'll, we'll have a, a, a farewell episode, uh, an episode eighty two for for Eddie um, with Court of Owls, and that will happen next week because the last two episodes have actually been delayed by a week. I'm sure you understand, and we're gonna reset our schedule with episode eighty two by having it. We're gonna record it on December sixth and release it on December eighth, uh, so that we can get back to our normal schedule and back on a two week uh, two week mark. Mm. If you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at tradesecretsgeekgorific.com. You can hit up our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretspodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at tradesecretspod. I'm on Twitter at Geek Elite. Joel? Superfly. Mathtastrophe. That's Andy. Grape Doctor. Eddie? Uh, talk to us all on Twitter. Send us questions via email. Hit us up yeah, on the talk group. Talk on Twitter, please. Like, say something. Yeah. Anything. It's, give us some <laughs> Give us some information for the show uh, so that we can have... Uh, we love reading fan mail, and we will see you Unless guys with... Unless it's Luke shooting down people's opinions. <laughs> well, that's what I do. Bang, bang. Everybody <laughs> hates my opinion, so Pull! I might as well hate everybody else's opinion. <laughs> Pull! Too, <right>? Fire! <laughs> Pull! <laughs> Uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> shooting clays. <laughs> oh my god! So just, just end it. Uh, so this has been episode eighty-one, Deadly Class by Rick Remender and Wes Craig by Image Comics. Thank you, Joel, for coming out. Ligon Lorgan. Uh, thank you, Andy. Yay! Thank you, Eddie. I came for the Kryptonian. Just this has been episode eighty-two of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke Matthews, and we will see you with episode eight. Oh, this is episode eighty-one. We'll see you with episode eighty-two. Bye. Bye.